that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. It kind of feels like a Thursday. Tomorrow's the last day before Thanksgiving, and then we'll be off, obviously, Thanksgiving and Friday. So uh, we're fit. It's a very short week, so we have a lot to fit in, and we still need to preview Kentucky and Louisville football and talk about what Kentucky needs to do to be able to pull off an upset. But it's tough to do that when we've got so much college basketball to talk and uh, obviously, there's just a ton of stuff going on in the sporting world, in the news world. Uh, as you know, the sports talker is not just dependent on sports to talk about, despite the name. Uh, it needs to be the everything talker with TJ Walker, uh, with a, a focus, a special on sports. Uh, Kentucky basketball has a game tonight. Louisville basketball had a game last night. We're going to talk about both those things. Sometime an hour just isn't enough. And then it might, it definitely will be enough today because we don't have Yates here today. Uh, we've got the more talkative Trevor. Kelsey, Trevor, how are you? I'm good, TJ. I'll, 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 t- I'll step back and let you keep your show. Unless you try to defend uh, Cousins is not a punk, then I might have to get in the, the mix a little bit. Well, let's start it on that. Uh, <laughs> it, it was shortly after the show that I was texting some listeners and uh, talking also to my girlfriend last night. And you know what? I realized that I was probably wrong in that argument, but here's, here's, here's my, here's my butt. Stop right there. Uh, Cause I'm going to stop the recording at that point as well. Okay. Here's my butt is that I, it's obvious that Yates and I have a different take on the word punk. For me, punk is somebody that is a, a bad person, somebody that's uh, genuinely not a good person. They like to be a jerk. They are not somebody that I would have over for dinner. Uh, somebody that is just, again, a bad person. And I, I feel that Yates uses that word more for an immature person, for somebody, which is very well is that's understanding. Uh, a punk as an immature, somebody that needs to grow up, uh, doesn't really quite understand how to act in public or the concept of being an adult. And that's accurate. That's fine. And I think that's what, and Yates, after going back and listening to it, Yates said as much. He said, I don't know what kind of person he is off the court. I'm not saying he's a criminal or a bad person. Just on the court, he's a punk. And while, again, I I have different meaning for the word punk, there is no doubt on the court DeMarcus Cousins has been immature in his short NBA career. Uh, he's needed some growing up to do. He doesn't handle losing well, and that's not an excuse because, trust me, there's plenty of people in the NBA that lose uh, on a uh, on a consistent basis, and they can handle themselves better than a Marcus cousin. Now he is moving in the right direction. Yates said as much. I said as much. Uh, but the whole argument probably should not have happened because on the court he has been immature, and I feel that's what Yates was trying to say, and I was trying to defend Demarcus Cousins as a person off the court which he's had no incidents off the court. He hasn't kicked any homeless people. He hasn't been in trouble with domestic abuse or assault or anything with, with the law he's been okay with. He's don't, he just recently donated over a million dollars to charity. Now, that doesn't automatically make you a good person because you donate money, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction. It's a good thing to do. And again, we have no incident. Everybody that's been around him as a coach or a player or John, maybe not some of the coaches of the Kings that have been let go, but plenty of people have good experience with him. So I don't think he's a bad person off the court. 
TJ, I want to say so, that that was very unpunkish Trevor, of you, uh, very can mature we put of this you. To bed? Yes, that was very mature and unpunkish of you to say, TJ. I agree 100% as well. Okay. Uh, just different takes and meanings on the word punk. And uh, I guess I wasn't really listening to Yates. Uh, tuning him out may be easier to do. Uh, anyways, there is plenty more to talk about. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I was about to call you Yates, Trevor. I don't know, Trevor, if we should get into that now or just get into some of the, the meat of UK, UK's game tonight. Where I, I, I don't really know where we should, we should go with the show right now. You know what? I know where we'll go. Indiana last night with a terrible humiliating loss and you know I don't have too many IU friends I don't have a lot of people I talk to about Indiana sports I do have some family that lives in Indiana and uh, they're semi-IU fans they'll talk trash when Kentucky would lose to IU but then pretty much anything else you don't really hear about Uh, so I don't really have a great gauge on the program obviously from the outside it's probably easy to understand why why IU fans would be upset and that Tom Crean is on the hot seat and all the off-the-court issues. Uh, but it's tough to get a grasp on if Tom Crean is really at risk of being fired after this season. But losses like last night and losing to uh, in the fashion that they lost, too. I mean, having a, a lead with two minutes to go at home and then ended up losing to Eastern Washington. and So I go to Peagues. Indiana's rival site, and uh, it's that's where Jeff Rabjohns is from. We've had him on the show before, Trevor. I know you're a big fan of of Rabjohns. He does a great job covering IU, and I and I kind of get a you get a better idea. IU fans are furious, furious, and they should be. But one poster had a great post saying that uh, this is a train wreck of a season, and we're only five or six games in. And we have, in the past five years, had to redefine the word train wreck when it comes to this program. Back in the old IU basketball days, a train wreck of a season would be maybe missing the NCAA tournament or getting a bad seed. Now it's losing to Eastern Washington and missing on all postseason tournaments because you had such a bad year, not even being good enough for the NIT. And the poster hinted that this is what Tom Crean has done to Indiana's basketball program. But here's the thing, Trevor, is IU fans realistically don't think that he's going to be fired after this year, regardless of how bad the season goes, because they have a lot of young players that's going to work for Tom Crean. Tom Crean and the athletic director have a great relationship. And the buyout is just too big. It's a huge buyout that you can't really justify having to pay that and then likely having to pay another coach a ton of money the following year. And there's no really great coach out there that you think would be a a lock for the IU job with the exception of Brad Stevens, but that seems like a a long, long shot after he's only been in the NBA, this being his second season. So I get the sense that IU fans feel trapped, Trevor, and, and I know you might have a better... Uh, I'm sure you probably talk a little more IU on your show, and you might have a better understanding of the situation going on in Bloomington. But this just seems like an awful time to be a Hoosiers fan. 
it's a double-edged sword. I kind of like the way you just described because it, the buyout, I think, is like $12 million to, to move Crean. They're not happy with Crean. I think the, the school likes still likes Crean, but to get rid of them, you're going to have to get rid of them. And kind of like with Kentucky with Billy Gillespie, if you're going to move them, you've got to make a splash. You just can't move them and bring in you know, a under-the-radar guy. You've got to make a big move to to, to, to to make it look like you did the right thing by getting rid of Crean or Gillespie to begin with in the first place. And that's the case. And, yeah, who do you look at? Brad Stevens, Steve Alford. Alford's buyout. If you were to buy out Alford's contract at UCLA, which would be probably the, the wet dream of Hoosier fans to replace Crean, it's going to cost you like $30 million just to get rid of one coach and bring in the other. And that's not even to start the salary that you've got to pay Alford to begin with. I didn't. Yeah. Last night's upset was an it was an upset, but it wasn't shocking to me. Eastern Washington's actually not a bad mid major. There's no excuse for them to, to. I'm not saying they're going to be in the tournament and be in the Final Four, but they they had a bad matchup with Indiana. Indiana still has all the glaring problems of no front court at all, or no front court size whatsoever. They're still getting Stanley Williams back and, and Robinson back, or Tony Williams and Stanley Robinson back and into the groove. Only their second game back, so they'll get better. But I, last night I was I put them on upset alert on my show because I knew Eastern Washington. Had size, had speed, had experience, and they're not a deep team, and but they're not and not a great team, but they're a good mid major, and they were a bad matchup for IU last night. But you know that's again that's another that's a just shows again how far IU's program has fallen, and and let's not you know let's not try to ignore it. They're coming off an absolutely horrible year, Putrid. and not not really bringing in a ton of help. You know you're, they're losing Noah Vonleh, who was just a terrific college basketball player, but really didn't get much credit because he was on such a bad team on a team that wasn't going to compete for any sort of uh, NCAA tournament or bubble team or uh, maybe a dark horse in the tournament. And usually that's where you, where you get a lot of publicity. He didn't have the chance of being able to do that. So they lost that. They bring in James Blackman Jr. who uh, picked Indiana over Kentucky and his dad went to Kentucky and uh, is one of my favorite freshmen in the class. Uh, there's a lot of freshmen I like, but I, I like him a lot. He's one of the definitely the best shooter in the class. Not a great defender. Uh, they bring in him, but you know that's not somebody that's going to fix all your problems. And like you said, just not many great players in the front court. But the point is, the fact that and you weren't the only person to say this. You weren't surprised that Indiana lost. Plenty of IU fans weren't surprised that Indiana lost, and that should show you just how far this program has dropped. Is that you lose at home to Eastern Washington? And yes, you know, Eastern Washington uh, might have been a, a bit fortunate to get out of that game with a win. But it's Eastern Washington. They're not a good team. They're not a team that's going, not a good team by good team standards. They might be a tricky team. They might be, a like you mentioned, Trevor, an experienced team. But I think that just shows how far IU has dropped that people weren't surprised to see Indiana lose at home. They used to be a place where, and I think they had one of the nation's longest non-conference winning streaks. Yeah, IU did. It's like Indiana fans have gotten to the point where Kentucky fans in football were with Joker Phillips. They're just they're just expect to lose almost at this point, and 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 they're and that's not that's sad because not that Kentucky football matches Indiana basketball, but Indiana basketball should never be, especially of the climb they've made forward since the Kelvin Sampson disaster. Be at the state where they're like, oh well, yeah, we lost Eastern Washington. Oh well, let's move on. I know because we suck. You should never be at that if you're in basketball. That's that's the saddest part about it. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, and Kentucky football and Indiana basketball aren't on the same level. But Kentucky fans during the Joker era, you couldn't even go to a game at Commonwealth Stadium and get excited about the possibility of an upset. You couldn't even in your head play a scenario where Kentucky 
could play well enough to beat some of the SEC teams they were playing. Uh, in Indiana, it's not quite that bad where you don't where you go into Assembly Hall thinking you're going to lose to everybody, but you go into Assembly Hall thinking we could lose to everybody. And I feel to a certain degree that's just as bad. So uh, trouble in Bloomington without a doubt. And I watched that game, and it, it's just I, again I, I feel that IU fans deserve better than this. And, and anybody that knows me, me saying that's a a, a big thing, a, a big thing to say. Because I'm not a huge IU fan, but they're a better program than, than what they're showing. And they're lucky to, to where their schedule isn't extremely tough. But if, if they, but if they can drop a game at home to Eastern Washington, then they can lose to Pittsburgh. And, and they will lose to Louisville. And they could lose to Butler. They could lose to Georgetown. The better so, question about IU and Louisville is will Montrez get 30 points and 20 rebounds? That's the only question I have about that game. Well, the thing is, Louisville, you know, they do have some big players. But Montrez is a really only skilled big player. But uh, Louisville's frontcourt is going to make Indiana's frontcourt look terrible. I mean, it is terrible, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to absolutely dominate it. Could you imagine a Kentucky versus Indiana game this year? Uh, it would, it would, you could put Derek Wilson for the whole second half, and he'd still probably look like the, the All-American that he, he could be. Derek Wilson would play for IU right now. I promise you that. He'd play no, major minutes. I wouldn't doubt that for a second. And, and here's the thing. And I, you here's cannot afford to lose these games because you look at the Big Ten schedule. I mean, you've got Wisconsin. You've got Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, Michigan State. Uh, you've got to get – you cannot afford to drop more than one or two games in an out-of-conference schedule if you're Indiana and have a chance to feel comfortable going into the a tournament or not have to put your hopes on winning the Big Ten tournament. I think that's where they're going to be heading for. But here's, here's a question that I, I would like to ask UK fans is you've got – Indiana and Kentucky obviously don't play each other, and, and we could go back and forth on why they're not playing each other and whose fault it is and how to fix it. Uh, but John Calipari didn't want to play home and homes. Point blank, he didn't want to have to go back to a assembly hall. And, and for the Kentucky fans that went to that game in 2011, the 2011-2012 season, but the game was in 2011, uh, they can understand why you hear horror stories of how they were treated and whether or not that happens everywhere or if they're being sensitive, this and that. Uh, I've been to some Kentucky-Indiana basketball games. I've had friends that have been to Indiana-Purdue basketball games, uh, all these at Assembly Hall. It, it can get ugly, and it can get ugly other places too. It's not like this is just a problem at IU, but I'm not here to argue that, or, or that's not the point of what I'm trying to talk about. But the point is Kentucky doesn't want to go back there, and, and they haven't since then. Uh, but my question for Kentucky fans is knowing how IU has been, would you wish to would you wish to continue to beat up on them? Because yeah, you probably would have lost in 2013. That was the Indiana team that was actually good. Uh, you know, they had Zeller and Oladipo, the number one seed. That game would have been at Rupp Arena at that point in John Calipari's career. He had not lost a game at Rupp Arena. His first loss could have been to IU, and it would have been a very very good IU team. Of course, Kentucky did play Louisville to three points despite being an NIT team at the KFC Yum Center. So I'm not saying that IU would have won that game easily, but they, you know, they probably would have. So my question to Kentucky fans is, would you take that loss to IU in 2013 in Rupp Arena to beat them in Assembly Hall last year because it was a terrible IU team last year and Kentucky would have won uh, despite their struggles on the road last year and the regular season struggles. They would have been up for that game and they would have won that game. And then you would have had IU in Rupp Arena this year. Trevor, I, 
Kentucky could probably beat them by 50, and I'm not and I'm not exaggerating. They could. I, I think they would end up winning because you got to give at least one thing. As bad as their front line is, they do have a good three-guard rotation, which is, I think, one of the keys that could help a team try to upset Kentucky is you've got to be able to – I use the analogy. When you fight Mike Tyson, you don't want to go head-to-head and punch for punch with him. You want to dance around him. You don't want to go big guy for big guy against Kentucky. You're just wasting your time and beating your head against the wall. You want to try to attack their weaker spots, which is the guards, which is what IU can do. But it wouldn't make a difference. They'd still lose by twenty points. They, they would need they would need uh, black uh, Blackman and uh, Yogi Ferrell to probably have pretty good games along with uh, Robert Johnson to even get within fifteen or twenty though. Yeah, it would be just it, literally with with IU's front line, it would be one possession for IU each time, and then I I couldn't even imagine offensively what UK's rebounding would be. Uh, you know, if if Eastern Washington could kind of dominate the front court of that game. And I'm trying to find here how many offensive rebounds they had. They had Oh, I'm looking at the wrong game. Uh but they they did control the front court of that game and Kentucky's the best offensive rebounding team in college basketball. It would look like that scene in Happy Gilmore when he went out and played uh or I mean uh, Billy Madison when he was still in like second grade and he went and played basketball with the kids outside. That would be looking yeah. like Kentucky's front line versus Indiana's front line. Indiana's Let's been dominated in the, in the paint every almost every game. They beat SMU, yet SMU still outscored them in the paint like 40-17 to 17 and out-rebounded them as well. Eastern Washington out-rebounded them yeah. 37-32, 15 offensive rebounds. Kentucky's best offense in that game would possibly be missed shots. You know, they'd be able to get whatever they wanted in the paint there. Uh, but not playing. So, but I do wonder if Kentucky fans would take a 2013 loss with a likely 2014 win on the road, uh, a, a win, a huge win likely at Rupp Arena this year. And then, you know, the program certainly seemed like they're trending in different directions. Uh, Kentucky could be very, very loaded and talented again next year, where Indiana likely will be better next year regardless. Uh, but you know, still not a not a great team, and not having a great recruiting class coming in. We'll have to see. Uh, we're going to head to our first commercial break. We're running a little bit late. When we come back, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to focus in more on Kentucky and Louisville and get away from IU. Uh, but it, it, not a good loss. Not not good things happening in Bloomington. So stick around here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. And we're back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Trevor, I didn't hear the intro music. Uh, yeah, the internet's been been acting goofy on me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, if, I feel like Tom Crean's taking over the internet over here today. It's, 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 just, it's, not, it's not been showing up in clutch situations. Here I am just sitting here reading some stuff, getting ready for the second segment, and all of a sudden I see an alert saying the microphone's on. I didn't hear any music. What if I was doing something embarrassing? Yates, what if I was singing or 
playing with the dog or something. Well, first of all, my name's Trevor. Second of all, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I, I would have, uh, that would have actually probably been radio gold. If you would have uh, been like doing something like who's a good doggy, who's a good doggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you'll have to try to surprise me with an, a hot mic some other time. Uh, but you did pose a, a nice little question during the break of, of which game was more boring to watch: Kentucky versus Sunday versus Montana State or Louisville last night against Savannah State. I tweeted yesterday that we need to get Montana State versus Savannah State. We can play that game at Seneca Park. Uh, me, Trevor, we can get Yates. We can get whoever else. Uh, winner. Whoever wins between Montana State, Savannah State, we've got next. We'll call it. Uh, it'll be twenty-four by four. Take it. We're gonna go full court. Oh, well, now, uh, now, now you've got me a little worried here. Full court, because because people accuse me of cherry picking, but it's not cherry picking when you're just too lazy to run down the court. That's a good point. Uh, Kentucky absolutely crushes Montana State. Louisville look like at a time they might have a. Scoreless, a shutout first half, which I've never seen. I've never seen a team get that close, at least personally, uh, to what Louisville did yesterday. So uh, I do have a pride, you know, you, I get, I know how schedules are made. A lot of people don't. Uh, sometimes you'll have these smaller schools reach out to big schools. Sometimes you'll have relationships and personal connections with somebody at a certain school and you'll make that happen. Other times, it could be an athletic director, director of basketball operations. It, it could be somebody, depending on how big your program is and how busy your athletic director, it, it could be passed off to somebody else. But you could have a, 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 a director of basketball operations literally at the last minute just start calling some schools, finding some schools and calling and seeing if they can set up a game like this. Uh, I don't know how these games were taking place. I wish Kentucky and Louisville would maybe do a little bit more homework to avoid uh, games like this. It's tough. You know, both Kentucky and Louisville are going to play tough schedules this year. Uh, I, you can make a case that you'd like to see Louisville's out-of-conference schedule a little bit tougher. You can make a case that the SEC needs to be a little bit tougher for Kentucky. Uh, but you, you don't want to see games. You, you, you really do just begin to start feeling bad for these teams. Kentucky gets a 58-point win against Montana State. Uh, Louisville could have really just picked the score, whatever score they wanted, against Savannah State. Uh, both those scores are very similar. 86-28 for Kentucky and then 87-26 for Louisville. So they get a 61-point win. Kentucky gets a 58-point win. Uh, neither of those games close. And, and now, lucky for Louisville and their fans, they get to play Cleveland State tomorrow night, a team that lost to Savannah State. So Cleveland State lost to Savannah State. And you watched that Cleveland State team last night, you probably have no idea how they won a game. Uh, same with Montana State. What would you Kentucky's put the line on the Cleveland State-Louisville game then, knowing what you know now? Where I would feel comfortable taking Cleveland State. Yeah, well, if you were a bookie, you obviously don't want to put. A, you know, if you were going to make your line, what would you put the line on for uh, Cleveland State and Louisville, knowing that Louisville beat a team that beat Cleveland State by fifty, sixty points, whatever it was. The night before Thanksgiving, I would feel forty. 
42 points. 42, give me, give me 42, and I'll take Cleveland State. All right, is there an actual line out for that game, by the way? I'll have to double-check before you see how close you are on that. I'll, I, I haven't seen one yet. I, I doubt. They usually don't do college basketball lines till the day of. They don't, so we'll have to see. And also, uh, thanks for reminding me, we need to do the PT Picks of the Week tomorrow. Yeah, I got some bills to pay. I need the help. We'll, we'll, be, at, <laughs> we'll be live at Oxmoor uh, for those PT Picks of the Week. I, 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 I promise you I'm probably going to call you Yates one more time before the show's over. But right. I've been called uh, worse. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, being called Yates is pretty bad. Uh, but what do you what did you make of Patino's comments last night? Uh, I didn't get a chance to hear mo- all of them. But I, I, if you're referring to the fact that he just said he wasn't even going to watch the game, the game film anymore, what were you are exactly referring to? Uh, what do you What do you think I'm referring to? The, the only worthy thing that he said last night uh, asked if he. Uh, didn't even enjoy playing that type of game because it was so so lopsided. Uh, uh, he said, no, I don't like to see any team struggle like that. I really don't. We tried everything. I played four white guys and an, in, an Egyptian. <laughs> you heard uh, that, right? No, I missed that, actually. I, well, at one point, by, by, by the 10 minutes left in the game, I moved on and, and actually just left it on the DVR. I haven't even gone back to watch the last 10 minutes. Uh, tongue and I think it's kind of funny. I don't know if it's appropriate for today's age, but it's still funny to me. It's here's here's the thing. I am feeling that Patino's getting some sort of you know benefit of the doubt because he's an older coach. He's experienced. He's a veteran. Uh, Bobby Knight excuse. He's he's old. He's set in his ways. Well, well, he's not, he's not. We're, I'm not saying Rick Patino's senile, uh, quite like Bobby Knight, but he's. You know, I don't. He didn't mean any harm by this, and this isn't him being, you know, out of touch with the times or trying to be. He was obviously trying to make a joke there. Uh, I, I do think, given the times, you may need to be more careful, especially with it being last night. But you know, if, if what if if a young coach said this, if a young coach that didn't have a you know a few national championships had said this. I feel maybe it'd be a bigger deal. Uh, what, what's I, you know, wrong I, with it, by the way? What did, was there four guys in the Egyptian out there? Well, I, I think he just was <laughs> hinting at playing some of the walk-ons and play. Yeah, he, he, yes, he, he actually, I mean, he wasn't lying. He did play four white guys in an Egyptian at times during that game. Sounds like a good pop he, song from the 80s, by the way. Saying, yeah, it sounds like a band. Four, four white guys <laughs> in an Egyptian. Uh, but, you know, if... It just probably shouldn't have been said. And it's not a big deal. It shouldn't be made into a big deal. Uh, but I think he probably – I don't think he'll say something like this again. And I think he probably would just need to try to shy away from that because there's just so many scenarios where if you if it went another way, it could have been a big deal. Uh, you could have offended your, your white players, your white walk-ons that don't get a lot of playing time. You're basically saying that you're playing them, hoping Savannah State would be able to score and feel a little bit better about themselves. Uh, you know, maybe if you're Savannah State's, State's coach, you could be a bit offended, but you know, you got beat by 61 points. I don't know if you have room for that. It's just, you know, it's if you said it the other way around, if you said that you played for you know black guys or African Americans to try to run up the score, you know that that wouldn't be acceptable. So I think that's why you just have to be careful in situations like that. 
you have to tread lightly. Uh, I I have zero barometer for political correctness, so I, I don't get offended by anything. I don't get it to understand the uh, offense by some people, but and I find it kind of funny. But yeah, I understand in today's age, and it's see, ironic. Ironic I, that you I, right, you brought it up. Journalist, the first thing I've I got see. to be as political correct as I can. Even on tweets, I have to be extremely careful, or else I get a, a phone call from my from my boss and. Uh, you know, the radio is a different game than that. But so when I heard it, my mouth kind of dropped. And I was like, oh, that was not smart to say. But in hindsight, again, he was joking. Yeah. He didn't mean any harm by it. He, it was kind of a funny play on, um, you know, just trying to, it, it, it does just sound like a band name, but, it does. Uh, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, it shouldn't be made a big deal. I'm glad that it's not turning into a big deal. I was going to um, name my again, band the Easy Bake Oven, but I think I'm going to change it now to Four White Guys and an Egyptian. That's going to be a new band name now. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, anyways, uh, so Louisville has an easy win. Kentucky playing tonight um, against Texas Arlington. Shouldn't have any problems in that game. Uh, this is, again, the last kind of cupcake game. Until the schedule heat up a little bit, then you're going to have Providence on Sunday. Then you'll play Texas the following Friday, and you'll get some cupcakes in between then, and then it gets really tough. But this is kind of the last game, in my opinion, that Kentucky's going to be able to coast. Uh, and you want to be sharp in this game. And the time, even the start against Montana State, Kentucky wasn't perfect. Certainly against Boston, it wasn't a 40-minute thing of beauty. So you want to look as sharp as you can against Texas Arlington. It's going to be a big win, uh, but I think the only things you can take away from this game are Kentucky to come out firing, hit a couple threes, be efficient, and of course, as always, no injuries in this game. And then Kentucky will be sitting at 6-0. and One game left in November against, against a Providence team from the Big East. Uh, not, you know, not a great team, but uh, a team that went to the tournament last year and could very well make it back. So it'll be a tougher opponent, a better coach team. Uh, I don't think Kentucky should have any problems with Providence, but uh, the season right now is going very smoothly for Kentucky. And, and again, you don't want any hiccups, unnecessary hiccups in these games. And I wouldn't expect them, uh, but they'll be back in action tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, no word yet on if Alex Poitras is playing. I haven't seen uh, if he's playing yet, but I'm sure we'll we'll get more on that within the next hour, two hours on his status. He's missed the last two games because of illness. You want him to be back, and, 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 and you know, or it could just be better for him to take the night off, rest over Thanksgiving. You're going to have a few days off. You're going to have a few days away from school uh, to rest up and, and then be ready again for when the schedule gets tougher. We'll have to see what John Calipari decides. Uh, Rob Blackhawk said. With no intro music, he could hear me breathing. That's uh, that's. I'm I'm glad that it it could have been a lot worse. And at least it wasn't creepy, you know, deep, heavy breathing. So it could have been a lot worse. Maybe Trevor will give me a little insight. I also for, forgot that Trevor will be working the board today, and that the music going in and out will put you to sleep. So. Uh, you know, we're going to go to a commercial break here. I'm I just got some special lined up. up for you on this break. Oh, I look forward to it. Well, let's, let's waste no time. We're going to head to our last break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little Kentucky-Louisville 
football again. The game seems like a while away, but we're running out of shows to talk about it. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here and we got some intro. So I know that we're back and you all don't have to hear me breathe and do some other embarrassing, awkward things. If if there wasn't going to be any intro there, Trevor, I was just going to sing something and give myself my own intro. So I'm, voice glad, it myself. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't have to do that. But anyways, let's well, let's talk a little Kentucky Louisville football. Kentucky started as a fourteen point underdog. That's moving in UK's direction uh, now. Just a twelve point dog. Uh, you know that, that's. I'd be surprised to see the line go under ten points. Uh, but that's that's probably where about I would have it. Louisville's the home team. They're certainly the hotter team. And they still have the better players in this game. Now, that's not saying I wouldn't be completely shocked or surprised to see a Kentucky upset because I think there's a chance that could happen. I think this bye week is going to be absolutely huge for UK. But this is still Louisville's game to lose as it's been in this rivalry for, you know, the last four years. So what does Kentucky need to do to win? I tweeted this out, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. What they what what they need to do to win is play not necessarily perfect, but close to perfect. And you have to stop. They lose a close game, and Reggie Bonifant has a big game and gets a lot of receivers involved, and. You know, Louisville's defense is the real deal anyway. So if Bonifon has a big game and Kentucky loses a close game, if you're a Kentucky fan, you can't be too upset about it. But here's where if you're a Kentucky fan, you should be very upset about it. And you should be potentially upset at Stoops and certainly DJ Elliott. You cannot, under any circumstance, let Devontae Parker have a big game. Period. He's maybe the most talented receiver in the country. And at times, Notre Dame was just keeping him in one-on-one man-to-man coverage. There is no defensive back on Kentucky's roster right now that could come close to guarding Devontae Parker in one-on-one coverage. Now, if you shadow a safety over there, there's very few receivers in the country in NFL, college, high school, it doesn't matter. It's very few receivers in the NFL, at any level that can win a two-on-one battle. Now, Devontae did do that in 
the Kentucky game last year having that touchdown in the corner, but that was just a freakish play, and I, I think if you're a Kentucky fan, you take your odds in that play. So Devontae Parker better not be one-on-one with Kentucky for the majority of that game on Saturday, and he you can't allow him to be the one that beats you. Make other players do, because it's just too easy. It's not like basketball where you say, all right, let the star player get his points, and then you shut down everybody else. If you say, let Devontae Parker get his catches and try to shut down everybody else, well, Devontae Parker is going to get his catches. He's going to get he's gonna get plenty of them, probably going to get 12, 15. So Kentucky needs to not let him be the one that beat him. And then I would just put a focus on shutting down Louisville's running game. If you want to have some of the other receivers in one-on-one coverage, against Kentucky's defensive backs, you probably feel a little bit better about Louisville's chance, receivers' chances in those matchups. But then you, then you got to put some pressure on Reggie Bonifant making throws. And he wasn't the most accurate quarterback against Notre Dame. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the country. He's still a freshman. He's still learning. So, yeah, Louisville might have an advantage at every receiver DB position. But if you can not completely take Devontae Parker out of the game because, you know, that's hard to do, but at least make it double coverage the majority of his plays and and really be physical and aggressive with him and make Reggie Bonifant look other places. That's going to go a long way for Kentucky's chances at an upset. Offensively, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle for Kentucky, but they've gone against good defenses all year. And I, and I think Louisville's defense is, is, is really good. I wouldn't say it's the best in the SEC. I don't know if I'd say it's top three in the SEC, but it's but it's right on par with what Kentucky's faced for most of the season. So they're going to have their, their word and their work cut out for them. Can't turn the ball over for your Kentucky's offense. That's, that's obvious. Patrick Tolles needs to be smart with the ball. The running backs, the receivers need to have some ball security. But I think this is a big game for Neil Brown. You've had now two weeks to prepare for Louisville's defense. I'm sure they've watched every game. I'm sure they've watched all the tape there is on Louisville. You know what they want to do as a defense. You know how they force turnovers. And you know what works against Louisville. Now You don't have the the players that Clemson has or Florida State has. But you, you can get an idea of what works against them and where you can attack them. And I would expect some Kentucky to try something different. And I, I don't know, not maybe not something different, but they're going to try one thing. And they're going to try something and they're going to be consistent in trying it. And whether or not that's the Wildcat with JoJo Kemp that we haven't seen in a long time, maybe it's that. Maybe it's continuing to run Patrick Tolls like they did several times this season. Maybe it's giving Patrick Tolles 20 carries. Maybe it's running the ball down Louisville's throat and sticking to the run. They're going to try something. Don't know what it is yet, but Neil Brown and and Mark Soups better be confident in what they do try. You know, if I'm Kentucky, maybe you just... You don't take as, and this isn't a team that takes a ton of deep shots, anyways. But you shy away from the deep shots, and you just try to move the chains, and you take up possessions, and you eat up some clock, 
and then you hope every possession can in you know this is ideal obviously but you hope most of your possessions if not all of them can end in points three points a touchdown at some time at some point in this game you got to put the pressure on Reggie Bonavon and I'm curious to see if Kentucky's going if Kentucky's offense can do enough to put Louisville's offense in that position Trevor any thoughts on that on that little take no, I think it's just. A, I think it's a funny story. If you start this season, the line would have probably been what fourteen to open the year, and then if you look at the timeline through the season of these two programs, I think what was it maybe six weeks ago, we were talking about Kentucky maybe being a favorite in this game, and then just and then now six weeks later, Kentucky's back to where we thought they were maybe at the beginning of the year. It's just it's kind of amusing to look at the timeline of the season, how things can change so quickly from week to week in college football. Yep. It's and also you know you got to remember that Louisville didn't have Devonte Parker while during that stretch where I think there was you know I think the Curry Journal did do stories where if the game was today Kentucky would be a, a one point favorite or Louisville would be a one point favorite. Uh, Louisville didn't have Devonte Parker then. They don't have Will Gardner now either. And I know Bonifon was okay against Notre Dame, but Louisville's offense is clearly better with Will Gardner quarterback than Reggie Bonifon in my eyes at least. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, you know, he's a better, he's a more accurate passer. Reggie Bonifant, I guess, brings some, uh, able to rush for two touchdowns against Notre Dame. And those were design plays. It was well designed. It worked. I don't know if Notre Dame just wasn't preparing for uh, the possibility of the quarterback being able to run. Uh, luckily, Kentucky was able to see that, and, and you know that they're going to contain to an extent. But you just can't let Devontae Parker be the guy to beat you. Clay B- 116 texts into the show and says, they should use the Seahawks defensive back game plan. This is coming from a 49ers fan. Just pass inter- just just hold and pass interference, uh, Parker, the entire game, and they won't call every one of them. Uh, that kind of reminds me of Louisville's basketball defense. Just swat and attack and try to steal and pinch and poke, and they won't call it every time. Uh, but it works. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how they need to be aggressive with Parker. And if you get a pass interference penalty here and there, that's okay. You can't obviously do it every time, but... We'll see. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. We'll be live at Oxmore. So tune in, UK UVL preview show. Trevor, it's been fun. Glad you've been here. Had and, a blast. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow at Oxmore. I'll be out there with you. Yes, stay tuned for Trevor's show coming up next. So this is 15, four, 15, 1450. I'll get it right. I'll figure it out eventually. 1450, the sports buzz. We'll see you tomorrow. It's all good, they get nothing but love from it Cause I was born here, born here. raised here. here When I leave here, bury my grave here Until then, I'ma ride